Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who is going to retire Jushin Thunder Liger at Wrestle Kingdom next year, Derek Halpin. Why do you want me to take the heat for that? People are not going to be happy to see Liger retire because of me. Well, you know, you need a big debut. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I mean, being the the New Japan legend killer isn't... You could be the Randy Orton of New Japan, Derek. I would love nothing better to go over to New Japan and just be everything that they hate. I'm an American. I'm overweight. I don't have a wide array of moves that I can make look (laughs) devastating and slick. My promos are going to be 100% in English, not dubbed. Which faction do you think you would join first if you came in as a singles guy? <laughs> L.I.J. for sure. Re- okay, you would go L.I.J. I think that they would recruit me. Straight out. So do you think that if L.I.J. didn't immediately ask you, but like Suzuki Goon came over and they invited you, would you turn down Suzuki Goon or would you just be like, okay, just as long as somebody wants me? No, I'm holding out. I know what I want. You I would, feel like ooh. I feel like I have a spiritual connection with Naito in the sense that we both kind of don't want to give a shit, but we also kind of want to fight. <laughs> so, like we we care we give more of a shit than Orange Cassidy for sure. So you feel like he could take on that mentor role or whatever. Yeah, I think we could be buddies. <laughs> I like that I, that's I, who you're going with. I felt a connection when we when we met him last February. He was very nice, and he gave us excited eyes. We're, we're opening this podcast by talking about this ridiculous hypothetical notion of me going to New Japan and being a, a character over there. Is this an upgrade over talking about sports? I don't know. I mean, obviously I could. The St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. How long have you been waiting to say that since that happened? My whole on life. On the podcast. <laughs> oh, on the podcast? On, on the podcast. Uh, honest to God, I was thinking about not even bringing it up. But you just couldn't resist, and then I said something about sports, and you jumped. Yeah, it triggered it in my brain. Um, it was so very exciting, and those guys got the most drunk I've ever seen anyone get drunk ever on live television. They yeah. were they were very wasted. Um, they are still wasted today. They're in Las Vegas. They might be dead. So thank you, uh, everybody that sent me nice messages after the Blues one. It made me feel like I accomplished something, too. And we only wasted one and a half episodes feeling bad for you for seeing a bad game. (laughs) Yeah, I don't feel so bad anymore. Oh, you're going to feel bad after this uh, whole thing that I lay on you today that I I did. I did some work for today's episode, and uh, I hope people can feel bad for me and appreciate my sacrifice. Did you get an MDK tattoo? I didn't get an MDK tattoo. I got something worse. Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I have no idea what you're what you're going to spring on me here. You know what, Garrett? What? I'm ready to tell you. Hit our damn music.
Well, while Derek is taking a sip of whatever mystery beverage he's got right here, why it's don't you take high life? <laughs> it's not a mystery anymore. That's what he. That was what the anticipation was about. Well, while Derek sips that Miller High Life, why don't you hop on iTunes and leave us a five-star review? It really, really helps us out. And if we get seven more reviews by the middle of next month, Derek will get the Kota Ibushi haircut. More specifically, he'll walk into a barber, show him a picture, and say, give me the Kota Ibushi. That's good for all of us. Plus, we'll watch whatever you want. You can send us a match, a TV show... And as long as it can even be remotely tied back to wrestling, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. Derek? It's it's not good for all of us. I wouldn't say it's good for me. I think it's good for everyone but me. And, yeah, I here's the thing. I have a barber in mind that I go to frequently who will have no problem hooking me up with this Kota Ibushi haircut. However, we have not gotten a single review since we started asking people to submit reviews to make this happen. Hey, we got a lot of new listeners last week, so also welcome you guys. Uh, I know you're new to the show, because there's a lot more of you this week, but that doesn't mean you can't still go on and rate, review, subscribe. Go ahead and give it that five stars. You know, we will never disappoint you that much. (laughs) We'll disappoint you, but it won't be devastating. Oh, something disappointing is going to happen. I don't want to, you know, be the the Cody Rhodes of podcasting and promise you something that you're not going to get. Well, I can promise you, Garrett, that people are going to understand the depth to which I suffered for today's episode. Okay, what what are what's going on? Are you okay? Do you have all your limbs? I'm, no, I'm not okay. Today, you should feel very very special. Oh God, it is not a normal day. Do you know how there are people all around the world who celebrate, who, who, who are taken in by the story of Jesus Christ and the I'm, fact that he yeah. died on the cross? Familiar. He was a martyr. People love him for this. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get that much admiration, but like Jesus Christ and like Harry Stamper from the movie Armageddon, I'm a martyr today. <laughs> like Jesus Christ and Harry Stamper from Armageddon. You are a martyr. Okay. Garrett, last week we did something a little special, a little different, and we recorded a watch-along episode of the podcast uh, for Goldberg Undertaker from WWE Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. If you haven't yet, you need to go back to last week and check out that watch the match along with us. You'll laugh. Fun stuff. That However, was fun as hell for me. I'm glad that I saw that, you know, people seem to be enjoying that one. Oh, yeah. And I'm enjoying this beer. Now, doing that inspired some conversation. And as we always encourage people to follow us on social media at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and uh, Twitter and at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, some conversation started about the man known as Bill Goldberg. And I really kind of laid into Bill last week, as was expected. Bill Goldberg is uh, notorious for being the pro wrestler that I hate the most. And today, I watched 10 Goldberg matches in a row. (laughs) 10. Count them. Ty Dillinger would be pumped. 
I don't know what his new name is in uh, AEW. Sean Spears. I did a greatest hits for Bill Goldberg, and I went through this motherfucker's whole career. And boy, oh boy, do I have stories. Garrett, I sacrificed myself. I sat in a recliner. I was not boozed up for this experience. I took it. <laughs> Jesus. You had you had no lubrication. You just uh, you you raw dogged some bill. I I raw dogged some bill for sure. That's a Why? really weird way of putting it. Did you feel like you said enough bad about him that you needed this as an apology? Like what are we doing here? I think the conversation that I ended up having with you and I believe it was Joey on Twitter, where we were talking about what's what's Bill's worst match. What's his best match? Why is he the way that he is? Am I too hard on him? Is he a nice guy? These questions got me thinking, and I decided I needed to know for sure how I felt. And the only way to do that was to take a Costco-sized injection of Bill Goldberg (laughs) right into the fucking face. And that's what I did. Garrett, okay, I've been no, 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 no. I got, no, go I ahead. gotta get this in because this is important. I have been writing Bill Goldberg's ass for twenty years about how shitty he is. I gotta tell you, one of the things I've been harping on for all that time is how short his fucking matches are. Let me tell you, when you do ten Goldberg matches, and you've been saying for how long I've been saying it, as he appears, uh on my television screen in the background as we're recording this podcast I shit you not he's in a Dodge Performance Days commercial <laughs> right he on is cue which is fucking at you weird hearing this he's looking he at you he really is that he's was super bizarre he's waiting for an apology to his face <laughs> if he'd come out of my TV it would have been a really fucked up pro wrestling version of the ring however <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make here is I've been saying how shitty he is because he has short matches for 20 years when you sit there and you take a, a surplus dosage of, of Bill Goldberg, you would think that with as much as I've been hyping up his short matches, that this would be a quick exercise, right? Wrong. <laughs> I did this for nearly three fucking hours today. This was a Bill Goldberg pay-per-view brought to you by Halloween Halpin, your co-host of Predetermined to Pro Wrestling Hangout. Holy fucking fuck, it hurt. So you're telling me that you don't think Wednesday afternoon Goldberg's going to get picked up? <sighs> I can tell you this much. It would cut my life in half if I had to do this every Wednesday. Okay, but let's go into this. So you watched 10 matches. Oh, I've got them all right in front of me. Did you watch them chronologically? Or were you bouncing around? Did you know what 10 matches you were watching going into this? I, I went chronologically. I wanted to celebrate the the career of one Bill Goldberg appropriately, so I went down the list. And I I don't know if I hit every single Goldberg milestone <laughs> that people would want to bring up, but I can tell you for sure I hit most of them, and I probably only left out a couple. I what? started with... Go ahead. No, go, go. I was going to ask what time frame this took place between. Like, where did this start for me, and where did I end it? Yeah, like, what years are we looking at, career-wise? We're looking between the years of 1998 and 2017. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. 
I mean, obviously, if we include last year's or, or last week's episode, we you know he's been wrestling all the way up till 2018, so over 20 years of doing this and haunting me. I started with uh, the you know the biggest WCW Nitro probably ever, which is Hogan versus Goldberg on Nitro on July 6th, 1998. I sent you a link of this. I don't know if you watched it. I actually watched it today, I, and I know we've actually discussed this match on here before. But I did. I rewatched this one because uh, this is one I I enjoy rewatching. How did this one sit with you? Is you how did this start as a first? I think I tried to come in. Believe it or not, I tried to come into this experience with an open mind, and I came into it wanting to buy into the idea of why people like Goldberg. What is what is the selling point? What is it that gets people excited? And I think. This match, if if you're if you're if you're a youngin, if you're a child, and you want to kind of get right into prime, holy shit, Bill Goldberg's the biggest thing in wrestling. This is the match to go to. This is his first time winning the world title off of Hogan. It happens not on a pay per view. It happens on a Monday Nitro back in July of 1998. Now you're probably thinking that's dumb. I think a lot of people agree with that. They gave away this match for free on TV. However. You and I had this conversation on the way to seeing a GCW show. It was a different time period during the Monday Night Wars, and those fucking ratings were all the rage, and that's what everyone was talking about. And I guess Eric Bischoff and everyone else at WCW made the decision that they wanted to have this big moment take place on free TV on a Monday night. And by God, Bill Goldberg beat Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan in the same night. Wait, he beat... Scott Hall earlier in the night? Yes. The stipulation was Goldberg only got a title shot if he could beat Scott Hall. Was that he done did. with ease? Yep. <laughs> there, this wasn't like Triple H Daniel Bryan where it's like, oh, maybe he won't do it. Like this was like, oh, Goldberg's winning this. Oh, yeah. They're like, we, oh, yeah. Sold out, think... we sold out most of a football stadium. Yeah, he's making it to the main the event. The fucking Georgia Dome <laughs> was insane for this match. Go back and watch it. I'm telling you, I, I, I've heard from people that didn't know for sure that Goldberg was going to win this match. Of course, the NWO was notorious for doing fuck finishes and ruining things that people thought were going to happen. But there's something about when Goldberg picks Ho- Hogan up for the jackhammer. And you see the crowd all come to their feet, and you see that roll of toilet paper come flying through the air like MJF's in the ring. And he fucking pins it. And Bobby Heenan, I feel like during a lot of time in WCW, Bobby Heenan didn't show legitimate enthusiasm. You could tell it was forced. This is one of those times where you could tell Bobby Heenan was getting excited from the way the fans were reacting. And I'll give, I'll give Bill his moment. Him dethroning Hogan may very well be <laughs> the height of his fucking career. And it should be. I mean, it's him dethroning one of the all-time greats or who, a guy who was still considered the top guy at that point. Well, here's some interesting speculation to bring up in this moment. Do you think that m- the vast majority of the time, if not all the time, the first time a guy wins the, the world title is the biggest time he wins the world title? It doesn't have to be, but it should be. But do you think it typically is? Like, can you think of, like, exceptions to the rule where, like, on a guy's second or third time, it's bigger? Daniel Bryan. 
Yeah, eventually Naito. <laughs> and, until he gets distracted in his uh, relationship with me. Um, I will You're tell you. cost and, him that title. I think the thing that sucks is that there's a theme I, in, in all 10, 10 of these matches that I watch, which is that there are definitely moments where you can tell that Goldberg is so fucking green that he has a moment where I would like to call it create a hold. In every match, there's a moment where you're like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do that before. He just grabbed a limb and, and like put some torque on it and is inventing a hold right before my eyes. So you're saying that he was he actually inspired a lot of what Zack Sabre Jr. does now. Except Zack Sabre Jr. makes it look good. <laughs> Goldberg just makes it look awkward. Have you, you ever watched the second match on my list here? DDP and Goldberg from Halloween Havoc 1998. Didn't we watch that recently? That feels like one I checked out not long ago. I think you we watched the Hogan Warrior match that was on the same card. Then I watched it because it came after. We, we were there for that match, but that was one where I just stuck around. Garrett? You may have just stumbled upon the best match of Goldberg's career. Goldberg, like, and here's the thing: it's it's not pretty. There's a lot of rough and tumble, and sloppy, and, and and here's the thing: you can tell in a lot of Bill's matches that he gets frustrated with the idea of selling for somebody else, and then he just powers his way through a spot. Like a guy tries to get some offense in, and he goes, "Wait, I'm supposed to look like a bad motherfucker here? You can't do that!" And then he just cuts him off in the middle of like what would be perceived as a comeback. This match with DDP. <laughs> This happens several times where Paige tries to get some in, in some offense and Goldberg just stops him. Not in a way that's dramatic or is reminiscent of anything co like considered pro wrestling. He just fucking hammers him, cuts him off in the middle of a punch. What do you mean? If just you like have... knocks him to the ground or does, what do you mean? It's, it's hard to explain, but there's moments in this match where go like DDP goes for a kick and Goldberg just kind of like, he gets like, you know how there's usually like a sequence of a couple of blows. Goldberg will let him get one in and then goes, wait a minute. I don't like this. And he stops it. He cuts it off immediately. Goldberg's that asshole kid. When you're, when you're sword fighting and one person, instead of just going back and forth with it, just starts poking. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect description. Oh shit. But actually the funny thing is this is a great match. And this is the other match I was talking about the other day during our watch-along episode. Goldberg knocks himself the fuck out, I think, a couple times in this match. He hits the ring post, and at one point, he spears DDP and spears him so fucking hard, he drives his own head into the mat and <laughs> knocks himself unconscious. I oh, like God. the guy who's just so excited to win that he hurts himself in the process. <laughs> you know, that's Bill for you. And his matches, you know, you gotta have those moments where he knocks himself unconscious because they would just be way too short. So regardless if he's asleep or not, you know, it adds a little time to the match. It gets people their money's worth. You can tell Paige gets pissed off because after he hits a couple big moves, Goldberg doesn't do the dramatic kick out at two and three quarters. He kicks out right at two. And DDP don't like it. What do you remember <laughs> about Kevin Nash versus Bill Goldberg from Starcade 1998? I mean, the main thing that we all remember from this, this is the, th is this the taser? That is the taser. How? This is the end of the streak. 
how long into the this was only a couple months later right uh after havoc yeah yeah this is two months after he faces ddp nash is the one to end the streak and i will say out of all of the matches that goldberg has had as far as creative finishes go this is number one i guess <laughs> Because I mean, it was I know unexpected. <laughs> well, keep in mind, I'm biased. For for a good chunk of my life, I've been a fan of Scott Hall. And I was excited to see him come back and fuck over Bill Goldberg, especially after he did what I had mentioned earlier and squashed him the same night he beat Hogan. But uh, I was excited. And the, the to me, there was a sub-story here of Hall and Nash making amends and... I know there's a lot of people who don't like the end of this match because it's kind of a fuck finish, but they found a way to protect Bill and make him look like the fucking monster that he's supposed to be and have an excuse for why he was able to get beat. Now, most of the matches on this list, Garrett, are matches I have seen before, but there are two or three here that I had never watched before. And this one's important. Do you want to know why? Why is this one important? This match is the match where Bill Goldberg ended Bret Hart's pro wrestling career. Holy fuck, I forgot that was a thing. What did he like? Go- Bret Hart versus Goldberg at Starcade 1999. Like a botch ended his career, or like Bret Hart was just so devastated that he couldn't recover? Goldberg straight up kicks, super kicks Bret Hart right in the fucking head as f- hard as he can. Towards the end of the match. All I heard there was that Bill Goldberg threw an impressive super kick. <laughs> and that is, <laughs> that's, that's shocking. Young, the Young Bucks are recruiting. That's why there was those rumors of him joining AEW. <laughs> because they were like, dude, we saw what you did to Brett. Good job, man. That's a hell of a kick. No, this is fucked up. This match fucking sucks. <laughs> There is nothing here for Brett or Goldberg to be proud of. And Brett doesn't even have the excuse of being like, oh, he fucked me up early in the match and I couldn't put on a show. No, he fucks him up towards the end of the match. And the most insulting thing about this match at Starcade with Hart and Goldberg, it's the ultimate fuck finish. There is not a clear winner or loser at basically WCW's version of WrestleMania. They did a, a callback to the Montreal screw job. Bret Hart's the champion. Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out wearing a referee shirt, walks down to the ring, and when Bret Hart locks in the sharpshooter, Piper, unbeknownst to both of the guys in the ring, tells him to call for the bell. They call for the bell. Piper grabs the world title, starts walking towards the entrance ramp. Everyone's looking around confused. There's booze. Bret and Goldberg look pissed. Bret goes up, and Piper gives him the belt back, and then the pay-per-view goes off the air. That is how WCW's WrestleMania-like pay-per-view ended in 1999. Okay, so we are getting closer to the year 2000 where things were turning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, things were turning. And Bret Hart's career ended pretty soon after this. I think he worked a couple house show dates after this. Whatever. Fast forward a few years, Garrett. Bill Goldberg comes to WWE. Hell yeah, he does. Do you want to know who the first person he wrestles in WWE is, Garrett? Do you this know? Ah, oh, this this should be important. It should make you excited. Like his first real match. Yeah, in a bigger ring, 
Big moment. Let me guess. It, was somebody, it had to have been somebody like Santino. Nah, man. I'm surprised you don't know this. I'm excited to be the one to tell it to you. I watched Bill Goldberg fight The Rock. What the fuck? At Backlash 2003. Oh, he debuted at a pay-per-view. He debuted the pay-per-view after WrestleMania 19. Well, that's pretty big. Yeah. And you know what? I have never watched this match. This was my first time with this one. And let me tell you, I've heard a lot of horrible things about this match. Not as bad as not as bad as I was expecting. Was quite entertained. And as far as Bill Goldberg matches go, this one was pretty clean. They wrestled a clean match that didn't look awkward, not really any botches, and uh obviously you know who wins. And then Rock goes to Hollywood full time after this. How many matches in are we right now? How many at this point you get to Rock Goldberg, how long have you been watching Bill Goldberg? A long fucking time, Garrett. Okay. <laughs> the short Goldberg matches are the ones at the back end of this list. We are halfway through. Oh, my God. So you're halfway through. You're five matches in. Has anything started to turn where you're like, I see it a little bit? <laughs> nope. <laughs> then what was it is for me as a child? What did I enjoy about Goldberg so much? We'll get to that. I finally figured out. I find I do have a conclusion here for you. Okay. I watched this pay per view live when it happened. Triple H versus Goldberg at Unforgiven 2003. This is where Goldberg wins his first world title in WWE. The crowd could not have given less of a fuck. <laughs> Goldberg just won the world title, the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE, and the reaction from the crowd kind of was like, "Yeah, finally." Didn't give a fuck. His title reign lasted, I think, a couple months. Jobbed the title back to Goldberg, or back to Triple H. And uh, move on to the next match. The first of a trilogy, Garrett. (laughs) Goldberg versus Lesnar, WrestleMania 20. Madison Square Garden, New York City. I think everyone pretty much knows the story behind this match. Both guys were on their way out of WWE the next day. The New York crowd lets them both fucking have it. I loved it. This was masturbatory material for me. (laughs) I relived this. It's a a shame I don't put this on like every week. Just to boost my morale. I do have some of those videos that you just watch because they make you feel better. This is... Oh, this is is one of them, man. You could throw this on before bedtime? I could throw this one on before bedtime. Stone Cold Steve Austin looks cool as shit. Goldberg and Lesnar get fucking heckled to death. They both get stunners. Goldberg wins this match. Nobody gives a shit about that part. The only part they care about is the New York crowd saying all kinds of mean things to Goldberg and Lesnar. Which, you know. Did they throw trash? They didn't throw trash. That was a WCW thing. (laughs) (laughs) In that Hogan match, were they you and throwing the trash at Goldberg or were they throwing it at Hogan? I'm being 100% serious when I say this, Garrett. I think they were throwing the trash, like the toilet paper roll. They were throwing that in a celebratory fashion. That was not anger. That was joy. This was happy trash. It was basically toilet paper confetti. Okay, this was their version of streamers, was just throwing garbage at the big man that just won. In fact, that's where Ring of Honor got it from. Ah, ah. Now... 
This is the last match in WWE for a long time for both Lesnar and Goldberg. Like I said, they left the next, next night. Goldberg's next match in WWE, guess what? Never thought I would see them try to pull this shit off again. Yes, Goldberg-Lesnar versus Survivor Series. Or Goldberg versus Lesnar at Survivor Series 2016. I'm not going to lie to you. If for no other reason than it's Bill Goldberg fucking up Brock Lesnar after Lesnar had been the bully on the block for a little bit too long. I like this one. I like this one for pure nostalgia. This one was on while we were doing the podcast, right? I don't remember if we were doing it at that point. We were, well, we've only, no. This happened in 2016. Oh, shit. That was that long ago? Correct. That's been like three years, man. Damn. Yeah. Feels like we've been doing it that long. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> it's probably because we had the exact same conversation after it happened. Whether or not these were in our face, we we had this conversation. Look, I think the Goldberg-Lesnar match at Survivor Series is fun because it doesn't fuck around with what it is. It doesn't waste my time. They wanted to recapture the spirit of a Goldberg squash match from WCW. That's what they gave you, and they did it against a guy you didn't think they'd do it against. This was Paul Heyman's brainchild. I thought this was brilliant. So you could argue that this this one-minute match against Lesnar is the best match of his career because they pulled off a shock. And I remember screaming a lot during that one. Did you have fun? I would say I had fun. Well, I think most people would argue that's the objective of pro wrestling is to entertain you and make you have fun. So <laughs> That's not I always everybody's my... approach. Well, Vince doesn't feel the same way. Now, I did force myself to sit down and watch Kevin Owens versus Goldberg again. Oh, no. It you hurt. did this to yourself? Oh, yeah. I, I Had told you, you seen I it since a... it happened? Um, I don't think so. Probably just in, like, raw replays. But, I mean, I it's burned into my fucking brain, so I, I basically feel like I see it every day. It was like you left it on the TV too long, and the image just got burned in there, so it's always in the background. Yeah. when The day they decided, you know what, we've got this really talented batch of people coming up from NXT, really talented guys who can cut promos and work in the ring and do all this cool stuff. Let's go get an aged veteran from that other company that we used to fucking hate and have him beat that guy for the title. It sounds like a sound plan. You could argue. I know it's hard to pick one moment. You could argue that this match against Kevin Owens set in motion years of bullshit that we've been dealing with in WWE. The day that they decided, now nah, we'll build an entire strategy around putting the title on Lesnar. It started with this fucking match. Were things pretty good up until that point? Oh, yeah, because that was like... Festival of Friendship, we thought that was going to headline WrestleMania. and People liked the brand split after it initially happened. They liked the way the rosters were set up. And, nope, never been the same. So I watched the other Lesnar versus Goldberg match from WrestleMania 33 to wrap things up. And it was fun. It didn't need to be for the title. Fuck Goldberg. Glad that <laughs> you can see here's the thing in my mind. He's done at this point after watching this match. I thought, okay, he's gone from WWE, but then they went to Saudi Arabia and not everyone wanted to go to Saudi Arabia. So they needed Bill Goldberg to show back up. <laughs> and that's why we did what we did last week. 
So Bill, Bill Goldberg's Goldberg. willing to do the dirty work. Bill Goldberg. Oh, God. I, it's like, I feel like I'm trying to give a eulogy here. It's Bill Goldberg would have pissed you off that day by being like, actually, these hydration beverages aren't that bad. And you're like, yep. fuck you, Bill. Fuck you. <laughs> he would have been, he would have said something obnoxious like, this is actually pretty great. I might look into getting these when I get back to Atlanta. That's crazy, Garrett, though, that like Goldberg fucked up, you know, so a much. couple of years of storyline. Yeah. He's fucked up a good chunk of my life, as it were. You know so what you said? Okay, so you you said you have a conclusion to all this. I do. I don't like Bill Goldberg. I never will. The wrestler, I fucking hate him. I hate when he's on my screen. I think his matches are boring. I felt like I was watching the same shit in in various forms for like four hours today. Well, you just. You, uh, Don't. you you didn't enjoy Bill the way he was intended to be enjoyed, which was 30 seconds at a time on a two-hour television series. Garrett, just... I did this the way I wanted to find something here, and what I found was people like energy drinks, right? They're fucking, you know, they're, they're packed with a bunch of shit that's not good for you, but they give you a fucking jolt, and they, you know, they do what they're supposed to do, which is make you, you feel better. I think people feel better when they watch Bill Goldberg because that's their fantasy of what it's like to be a badass. Not just kicking somebody's ass, but kicking somebody's ass in 20 seconds. And I think that that gimmick... See, people know what squash matches are in pro wrestling. They get it. They know that that happens sometimes. That A guy made that his gimmick. And people got a high off of that. Derek did not. And I've suffered for it for 20 fucking years. The guy, as I stated the other day online, Bill Goldberg, the man, seems like a great guy. He's got a family he loves. He wants to be a superhero. He wants to be a role model. All of that's great. But I don't know that guy. That guy is not a part of my life. The guy that's a part of my life is the character on my screen that I see way too fucking often. So you dislike shitty TV character Bill Goldberg? That's all he is to me, Garrett. So you're saying if we were able, I honestly, I was worried at the beginning of this when you were like, you know, we were talking shit on Goldberg. I got him on the phone. And then he just comes and is like, hey, Garrett, how's it going? I was like, because, well, <laughs> and you're like, surprise, now you have to interview Bill Goldberg. And I'm like, ah. Garrett, I, I, I promise. The reason I did this is I wanted to cleanse my system of my Goldberg hate. I wanted it to be known how I felt. I wanted to get that out there. And I'm done. We don't have to talk about it again. People wanted to know that after watching 10 matches, watching hours of this shit, did, did my position change? And the answer is no. However, Goldberg has given me more moments of joy than I expected. Having watched these 10 matches, just not enough for me to change my opinion of him. Okay. I think I came up with why it didn't change your opinion. I appreciate that you watched so much, but no, I think, I do. I do. I really do. But I think you didn't watch it correctly. Oh, I, fuck off. You know, Goldberg has those blink and you miss it matches. And maybe you were missing something during your long blinks. You've, you're, you're a notoriously long blinker. Am I wrong? What, what the fuck are you talking about? What I'm saying is you've seen a clockwork orange. 
Let's I'm do this. I'm not doing that. Yes, I'm we're not gonna, doing it again. We're going to pry your eyes open so that you don't miss a single second. And me and somebody else uh, will sit there and drop little droplets of water on your eyes so that they don't dry out. And by the end of this, you'll either love him or vomit every time you see him. Yeah, I pretty well um, am not going to do anything close to that. And I'm washing my hands of Bill Goldberg. Well, while you're tied up with your eyes open, we're actually going to have those sparklers going off next to you. So it is going to be kind of terrifying. Yeah, that is terrifying. Do you feel like the idea of doing any kind of Bill Goldberg marathon (laughs) terrifies me even more? I wish you had timed how how much of your three at plus hours were spent watching Pyro and how much of it were wrestling. See, I no, I cut out the entrances. Oh shit! You watched three hours of Goldberg wrestling? Yes. Holy shit! I thought that was entrance and all. This is no. We'll start this segment I... over with that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Bill Goldberg in the ring. Doing what Bill Goldberg does, which is not much. (laughs) So now that you know where I'm coming from, hop on over to iTunes and give us those five stars. Leave a nice review. You did that as if somebody left you the nicest review and said, Derek, watch three hours of Goldberg, your choice. (laughs) At this point, getting the Kota Ibushi haircut is going to be less painful than watching more Goldberg. It's out of my system. Are you... Oh, my God. We need to get you that haircut before StarCast. Are are we going to end up being participants in StarCast? That's the question I have for you. I'm sending in the application tonight. So this year, it's on a first-come, first-served basis. I'm sending it in. We'll see what happens. Uh, Hopefully, we will be part of StarCast again. Well, the bigger story here is we were not as fortunate getting tickets to a AEW event this time around. We were not able to get tickets to All Out. I think this may have been the first time in the history of the show that I, I feel like I failed us. As far think, as First of all, that's bullshit because I, there were several of us trying to get tickets that ended up with nothing. And I was one of those people. I was on my phone, and you know how disheartening it was when they when the thing finally in, initiated and it refreshed, and I found out that I was twenty five thousandth in line. I did a little better than you. I was thirteen thousand five hundred something in a venue that holds like ten thousand. Yeah, yeah. And did you see the the numbers they were saying? They were saying that there were. What was it like in total, like 130 some thousand people in total trying to get tickets to this event? Yeah. I, here's the thing. I don't know what to make of that. Like, was that 100,000 people just trying to actually go or are some of those scalpers, those people trying to get tickets to make money? Well, I know that Meltzer said, because, you know, a lot of people complain about scalpers. And he said normally of a venue this size there would be about 2,000 tickets on StubHub. And right. he said right now there's only like 840-something. So he's saying that actually less scalpers got these tickets than normal. That's true. And, and I don't know. Does it suck knowing that you could have been in that room early on waiting for it to refresh, and then you just randomly get assigned a spot in a line? 
I mean, honestly, that's the f- most fair way to do it. You have this many people wanting them, you know? I I actually don't have a problem with that. We just weren't lucky this time. Yeah, I We're mean, I don't in. have a ton of complaints with it. It sucks. I'm not going to bitch. I'm sure we'll find our way there. But, man, I, I heard stories from several friends who had no issues. I had a story from one of my friends where they bought tickets and then it immediately put them back in the queue to buy more. What the fuck? Yeah. So they were able to buy a few more. Well, that's back to I back. Mean, good autumn. Did they pick us up a couple? <laughs> no, they did not. Does this person listen to the show? What's the story with this <laughs> t- fan ticket exchange program that they have on the site? Did you see this? I did. It's going to be for if people decide that they can't go and decide not to sell it for profit and basically just give them back to the venue. But they get their money back, essentially, at a fair price. I believe so. That's what it said, anyway. I mean, it seems good. I think I think they tried to work out a solution for people to like encourage them that, like, if you can't go, don't just try to make profit off of it. So. But hey, that's going to be a big show, man. I mean, that many people wanting to go. I was looking around online today, because, you know, the next, they announced that Fighter Fest is going to be free to watch right. for everybody, which is awesome. Yeah. And I when's saw, that coming up, by the way? Uh, what is that? Two weeks? I think yeah, it's, we're getting pretty close. Yeah, I think it's two weeks away. But yeah, I saw a lot of people posting like, hey, I don't normally watch this type of wrestling. Like, where do I find this? How do I do this? And saw people putting, I want to watch Moxley. So I saw a lot of those posts. So they, you know, they're, he's bringing people with him. Well, I think the combination of Moxley and Jericho and then obviously all the goodwill over the last few years that the Bucks and Omega and Cody have brought to I mean that that's basically the the drawing power to AEW and, and along the way people are well, this is what's exciting there's all these indie guys that most of the world didn't have a clue about that over the coming months and years are going to get to they're going to get to see how these guys work and what they do. So it's a hell of an opportunity. And as we've talked before, we've done all this fantasy shit where we talk about, oh, who, how cool would it be if we saw this WWE guy leave WWE to go to AEW? I think, uh, what was it, Lowell? He pointed out, he, he doesn't know if he wants to see a lot of that. I think he wants to see people that nobody have seen at all get their time to shine in AEW. And I completely agree with that. But I also think that, you know, at this pay-per-view that a lot of people want to see, obviously a huge demand with that many people trying to buy tickets, a night like that is t- can make Hangman Page. Like, he's already Correct. a star in our mind, but going up against Jericho at their first... I mean, obviously the last pay-per-view is huge, but it seems like the reception of that one was so good that it is going to get more people to watch this next one. And, I mean, Jericho could make Hangman that night. As much as I think Jericho's probably going to win, he's going to make Hangman look like a million bucks. So we got to talk about this because it is a story over the last couple days. You are headed to a show here in a couple weeks in Dallas. Yes. And John Moxley is not going to be allowed to wrestle at this show, despite being the IWGP United States champion, because AEW is not going to allow it to happen. Okay, is that true? I've never seen any confirmation. I see a lot of people saying that, but I haven't seen any evidence to back that up. I mean, it would make sense. I mean, I've read it multiple times online. I know I'm not saying that everything on the internet's true, but 
I, fuck, I don't know. I mean, that being <laughs> said, yeah, I'm a little disappointed that he's not going to be there. Um, but the the main event is so exciting that I'm cool with missing that, you know? Man, it's it's such a weird, like we've talked about, we don't understand the relationship between AEW and New Japan. Well, it would appear now it's finally kind of, I mean, I'm not saying boiling, I'm not saying there's tension or bad blood, but we're now finding out like how these restrictions work. Yeah, it. I mean, it makes sense. If you just signed Moxley, maybe he shouldn't be here. I know Jericho said that he was never scheduled for that anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like that wasn't the case for him. But let's go back to like the the Dragon Gate stuff with Pac. Are, the, are is AEW being a little too loose with their rules to the extent that it's going to hurt them when it comes to trying to book guys? Like, if Pac is going to be more committed to Dragon Gate than he is AEW because of a storyline or because he's undefeated or whatever it is, and it's going to affect a, a card for AEW, do you think they're being a little too forgiving? Like, I, like I'm just, I'm just asking you to bounce the idea off you and get, like, I don't know, take your temperature on the subject. I don't know. I think that Pac might have been a special circumstance because how many guys would get signed to AEW, which is, you know, by all accounts right now, Headed in the right direction of being huge. Well, correct. Would you do want you, to but, leave that? Would you want to jeopardize your future there for something but, now? You mean like what I tell AEW? I can't do a match with Hangman because I I can't lose. Yes, I would fucking tell Dragon Gate. Like, here's the heads up. I just signed with AEW. Here's the situation. I need to drop this title sometime before then. Hey, who do you want me to put over? Dude's uh dude's loyal, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can still be loyal and still set up AEW or did Dragon Gate get pissy and say no, but we don't want you to lose. And you need to be committed to us. And then at that point you do have to choose. And he I guess he chose his loyalty to Dragon Gate, but Fuck, man. Like, uh, writing's on the wall to me as far as what AEW is going to be. Are you just having a hard time because you can't picture walking up to Cody Rhodes and disappointing him to his face? A little bit, especially considering all that went into putting this together. Between all the hype you've seen. First of all, I mean, this got started on the strength of the Bullet Club over the last two years. The strength of the Bullet Club, the the rise of interest in New Japan and Ring of Honor, and just basically people looking for an alternative to WWE. And you can't tell me that every person in the industry isn't aware of that. And yeah. it's so weird in my mind <laughs> to you see that, and you left WWE on not-so-good terms in the case of Pac, Neville. And you have an opportunity to go do something big. And like, I mean, again, I'm not knocking him for being loyal to Dragon Gate. It's just a question of Jesus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> are, do you, are you not pushed? You know, the, the, the pay-per-view was called All In, but apparently Pac was only partially in. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, the Bullet Club, which we don't talk about much anymore. I think right now would be the most hilarious time for Vince McMahon to buy the Bullet Club. Oh, absolutely. He'd be like, look what I did. I paid $100 million. Joke's on you guys. And then Bullet Club shows up and, hey, don't get me wrong. Love Tomatonga. 
I was going to say, I feel like you're throwing some indirect shade their way. But I could, at this point, I don't even look at them as the Bullet Club. Tamatanga's the, they're G-O-D. Do you, god damn, this is the thing, Bullet Club loyalists would hate you right now. Are they still there? Do we still have, like, people that are like, no, Bullet Club is the shit still. But I'm saying that there's people who liked Bullet Club before it became what it was, like, a year ago. I know, and all good things come to an end at some point, you know? Like it, But do you think to those people that are like, finally, all that other... Bu- it's, it's, like, it's like when the a fucking band gets too fucking popular, and they're, like it's, their followers stop listening, and then when they fall off the radar a little bit, they're like, okay, I can listen again. Their so, stuff isn't getting mainstream radio play. I think what those people would be doing with Bullet Club is what I do with Weezer, where I still swear they're good. Even though the world hates them, there's somebody's like, no, Bullet Club's fine, guys. Bullet they, that bit from BTE a couple years ago is still happening. Bullet Club's Bullet fine. Bullet Club is fine. Look at this. We got Jay White. We got uh, the Tokyo Pimp. We're good. <laughs> Bullet Club is fine. How many titles do they have right now? Uh, they have the tag titles. Is that it? Or do they? Did they lose those? I don't know. I don't know. You're Derek. the Bullet Club expert, Garrett. Well, you are an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bill Goldberg expert, Garrett. That's, that's hey, what I know. When I go to Dallas, Derek, I get to see in the main event Okada versus Tanahashi. How stoked are you for that on American soil? I'm pretty fucking excited because, you know, it's not like it's a new match. It's not like it's a match we've never seen before, but it's two guys who always tear the house down and getting the opportunity to see them do that live is something I'm actually very, very excited for. You should be. But I think the match of the night could end up being the one before it. Uh, This is going to be Kenta versus Kota Ibushi. Yeah. He's got a lot to prove coming back in, and I think that he's going to go really hard on his first night back and especially doing it against a guy like abushi i think this would show whether or not he's missed a step since coming back what is the venue that this is happening at this is at the american airlines center oh shit yeah in dallas this is where i witnessed the the main roster debut of big cats and enzo holy shit so I'm returning back to where it all happened. <laughs> Hopefully Enzo and Cass are there. <laughs> did, oh, did you see what happened to Enzo and Cass over the weekend? I didn't see what happened to Enzo and Cass. They had a big indie show, and I guess it was supposed to be like a surprise. Who? Uh, <laughs> it was supposed to be an open challenge, and then Moxley came out and beat the shit out of both of them. <laughs> Like I watched an interview with uh with Big Kaz or Kaz XL or whatever his name is now, and he swears. Damn it! Which, in all fairness to him, he does look a little more jacked than he did. And he's like, I he's like, when all that other shit happened, I was in a really bad place in my life. I was dealing with depression. I got fat as shit. He's like, I'm jacked now, and I am gonna be the biggest pro wrestler in the world. And I was like, shoot for the moon, buddy. Not getting there, but. <laughs> But I do appreciate the work that you have put in. And he's like, well, he's John Moxley, so obviously I have to lose. It's like, yeah, no shit. And uh, Yeah, the hottest wrestler on the planet right now. No, you're, you're losing. And if you want to know, so far, Enzo Amore has taken the worst uh, death rider of them all. When you say the worst, what do you mean? 
remember how cool it looked in New Japan? The opposite of that? Yeah. No. <laughs> he went in to give him that Death Rider, and he took it regular DDT. That sounds like Enzo. Good to see some things haven't changed. All right, so we're on the subject of New Japan. Tell me about these blocks, Garrett. Okay, for the A block, we have Okada, Tanahashi, Abushi, Kenta, Will Ospreay, Lance Archer, Evil, Bad Luck Fale, Sonata, and Zack Sabre Jr. That's a lot of names. So at some point, you're going to see Evil and Sonata fight each other. Isn't that kind of fun? Oh, shit. That's kind of scandalous. Got to see who's the, who's the bigger, sexier tag team partner. <laughs> It's I don't evil. like this L.I.J. infighting. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the B block, we have Juice Robinson, Shin- uh, Shingo Takagi, Ishii versus... Uh, I guess I'm actually reading the next set of matches, but it is all the people in it. Uh, Robinson, Takagi, Ishii, Cobb, Toroyano, Naito, Goto, Jay White, Moxley, and Tai Chi. Man... How long does this fucking go on for? I'm just now processing. That's going to take a while. Uh, It starts on July 6th, and it ends on... (laughs) (laughs) Flipping. Uh, It ends August 12th. (laughs) Okay, so a little over a month. But yeah, So so New Japan's going to be something you have to keep a close eye on over the next month plus. Well, in the one, I love tournaments. I think... A month and a half. New Japan does the best tournaments, and the G1 is just, like, banger matches after another. It's, there's you say all... New Japan does the best tournaments. Does another wrestling promotion do fucking tournaments? WWE does them sometimes, and they're not when? bad when they have them. When? Remember the Cruiserweight Classic? Remember the Mae Young Classic? First of all, that's all NXT shit. When does WWE do tournaments? Well, I have to watch their logo at the beginning of that show. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Dusty Rhodes Classic isn't that bad. I guess, yeah. I guess the Mae Young Classic, and I apologize. I'll count it, but I I just, they got rid of the King of the Ring. They got rid of, like, doing main roster, and I like a good tournament, Garrett. I like a good tournament. That's New Japan shit, though. That's what they do. It really is. Like, just... And you wouldn't think that watching for this many weeks would be exciting, especially since the majority of them are matches you've seen before. But I think, I don't know. This is just always a really, really fun time. And getting to see, we're going to see fucking John Moxley versus Ishii. Can I ask you a really important question? Yes. What does G1 mean? Why would you ask me a question I don't know the answer to, Derek? <laughs> Because I've been wondering for over a year. Why do does they it call make it you, the G1? Well, G1 Climax. Okay. Because Climax is the end when you you let out a huge orgasm on how good the finale was. Right. One G spot, hit that Climax. That's what it means. You're fighting for the G. Climax. Are you embarrassed that there's a thing that you really enjoy and have enjoyed for multiple years, but you don't know why it's called what it is? Yeah. Have you ever just loved something because you love it and not <laughs> So G1 stands for Grade 1 Climax. <laughs> All right. Did you Google it? I Googled it. <laughs> All right. I'm glad that happened on the podcast. I'm hoping that Grade 1 just means, like, number one best climax. <laughs> Numero uno. 
<laughs> it's just all the words from uh, Tanahashi's intro. Just feel the best. <laughs> and then it's like, what is it? Go Ace. It's Go Ace. So recently, I ran out of beer and I need water. <laughs> so I'm ki- I'm kidding. I'm fine. Okay. Okay. So recently, several you know uh, guy indie guys we like went to NXT and they had their names switched. Yeah, so, this was a story here. I, you were really entertained by this, by the way. I think it's funny when they change some of these names. But, you know, a lot of us, we have relationships with these wrestlers that we already liked the character. And I think sometimes we get a little harsh on the name changes. But also, sometimes it deserves it. But I got three of them that were recent announcements. And I asked, I just gave my wife two different names and said, which is better? Okay. The first one, so Samuel Shaw, he was one of the only things, or he was one of the best things about that NWA show I went to here in Nashville. Loved that guy. Ended up seeing him again at another indie show. Super talented. Makes sense that he got signed. It was announced today his new name is Dexter Loomis. <laughs> Which is know. better, Derek? <laughs> the first one? <laughs> Sam Shaw? <laughs> I see. I, I don't know. See, Leah said Dexter Loomis. She said, obviously, Dexter. And do you think the... The pro- his thought process, dude must be like a horror buff. And he's like, I like the TV show Dexter, Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Let's do it. Boom. I like alliteration. Maybe that's why I went that way. Andy's just kind of a weird pervert. And I don't know, Samuel Shaw with the little glove and the weird mustache. I, I, I will say it's pretty typical for them to just be like, what do people know you as? Yeah, let's not use any of that. Let's not utilize any of the reputation you have built up with a few people. No, let's ditch all of that, throw it in the trash can, and reestablish you as as this, and except, not even have it be close. Except for you, EC3. You go out there in a ref shirt. He walks out the curtain. <laughs> Rollins, go hit him with a chair. But I'm a baby face. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Wild card, baby. Wild card, baby. See you, EC3. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Okay, this one is one that uh, West Coast correspondent John, he texts me, and he just says, Garrett, they renamed Trevor Lee Cameron Grimes. Oh. And then he sent back, we're six months away from him just being old grimy. <laughs> he, see, here's the thing. I kind of like Cameron Grimes. Cameron do, Grimes. Do you, I feel like in WWE's mind, though, they're just like, he's gross. Grime. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Vince and I agree. That you, doesn't you, happen very often. If somebody looks gross, you give them a gross name? Sure. Dude's got That's such nice hair, though. Why would you name a well, man with such, like... But have but have you seen that guy's hairy body? Yeah, it is kind of... Yeah, Grimes. Sorry. Yep. Sorry, Trevor. You're the Carolina caveman, or... Just whatever you now he's just like now you're the San Francisco businessman Cameron Grimes and you have to cut your hair. <laughs> the G one stands for Grimes number one. <laughs> the next one, I said okay Leah now these two, which one is the best? And I said Damian Priest and she said Damian don't even have to hear the next one and then I said Punishment Martinez and she just screamed fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And then she goes, did you need me to go do that on the air? 
I feel like people need my reaction to that. That she's like, but that is a really good name. Damien Priest is not a bad name. It's not. And let's face it, we made fun of the name Punishment Martinez quite a bit, but it did grow on us over time. See, here's my issue. I come from a different era, Garrett. <laughs> and my era, you weren't, you know, Steve Austin. You were Stone Cold. You weren't Dwayne Johnson. You were The Rock. You, you weren't, weren't Trevor Lee. You were old grimy. <laughs> I I don't know. I like my characters to be a character. Like, when you just start giving out names, sometimes it hurts. I'm not saying it hurts every time. Sometimes it's fine to just be an athlete with a name, but fucking Ricochet, that's good shit. Damien Priest is <laughs> is three weeks away from being in a tag team with Aleister Black called the Spooky Boys. Oh, yeah. That's coming. And you know what? The Spooky Experience. They're, they're the, <laughs> the Spooky Raiders. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're just going to come out and job to Heavy Machinery, who I saw made some titles out of trash. They beat some local boys who had cardboard titles. And they took them. Yeah. And WWE is acknowledging those titles. So that says where they're at right now. You know what? I will stand corrected. When they announced the 24-7 championship, I shat on it immediately. Not just for how it looked, but the idea because it wasn't even a hardcore title. Apparently, I haven't been watching. Let me be clear about that. I have not watched in weeks. And they have a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday called Stomping Grounds that has sold not a lot of tickets. Apparently, the 24-7 title has been some of the best television they've produced in months. I mean, it's been funny. It's a comedy title. Have you been watching? I have. I have. I have actually been watching on social media. What the fuck? What is it with you? I don't have to talk about everything I watch to you. I guess when it's wrestling, I do. (laughs) That's part of your job here. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is like, I'm hiding from you that I was watching, that I watched raw a little bit. Like basically like, I can't let anyone know. This is my shame secret. I feel like you're the guy that you see. You're the guy I described earlier. You had to wait until everyone was hating on raw and SmackDown and the ratings were down. And then you're like, I think I'll start watching now. I don't know, guys. I think Weezer's last couple albums were pretty good. <laughs> uh, do you have any more names? What did ACH become? Oh, shit. He does have a new name. I don't remember, though. I Those are the only three that I had that yeah. that I came in with. I'm sorry. I This was an ill-prepared segment. <laughs> do you okay. see what Sammy Callahan did over the weekend? I know I got a text from you about it because I think you had a fucking pro wrestling boner over the whole situation. At MLW, Sammy Callahan walks out on the stage, takes a drink of water, walks over to the announcer's table, and spits water straight in the face of Jim Cornette. Cornette immediately pops up and is super pissed and is trying to hit him with the the tennis racket. Do you think it was a work? Uh, apparently it was not a work, according to both of them. And Sammy Callahan is no longer in MLW. Oh, <laughs> well, that's one way to get out. So Sammy did it because if you recall, uh, old, old Corny went on his podcast and complained about Sonny Kiss and he had some homophobic remarks. Ah, uh, yes. And 
Sammy Callahan, who I believe has had some issues in the past. I don't know the full details, but in this instance decided to be the social justice warrior. And I don't say that in a mocking way. I look at that as like, he's, he's Batman. He's, (laughs) he's, you did wrong Batman, but he has to, you know, build up himself because I believe he did some wrong in the past himself. One of his cohorts tried to fight us at StarCast. That is true. One of uh, OVE did not love us. And I thought it was bullshit. I had good questions as to why would you show up for a video game tournament and then hate video games. It's a fair question. (laughs) Thank you for standing by your man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you always got two arms to cling to, buddy. And after after watching the Sammy thing, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched some Sammy in a while. What can I watch? I got on the High Spots Network, started looking around. I found a show that had a Iowa death match between Sammy Callahan and Swoggle. So I figured I got to watch this because Sammy is going to kick that little guy way, way too hard. And if it happened, I'd just as well see it. What did, what did you get out of this, Garrett? What, what made you want to see a little guy get beat up today? It was one of those things that, like, should it exist? Probably not. Does it exist? So do we owe it to Swoggle to watch? Yes. Yeah, Garrett, if he do. suffered for our enjoyment, yes. Like, if he did yeah. that for nothing and I didn't see it and give Hornswoggle some props to just take in a straight boot to the middle of his chest and go flying in a very real fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did he hold nothing back? Uh, I, I mean, he did what he could. It's <laughs> I like meant a, Callahan. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't asking about fucking Swoggle. Well, Swoggle's trying to hang, but, you know, Callahan's kind of a dick. There's a lot of spit involved, a lot of straight boots to the head, and he really, he kind of wailed on Swoggle, and it, you know, some of it made me a little uncomfortable. I think it was supposed to. Speaking of beatings that make one uncomfortable, I log on to Twitter today. And you know how the way Twitter works now is sometimes you log on and unprompted it's like, hey, a bunch of your friends like this tweet. Check it out. I saw you liking a tweet oh, no. from Nick Gage where apparently David Arquette has pissed him off yet again. And he's prepared to beat the holy fuck out of David Arquette once more. That's a rematch that has to happen, right? I don't consider that a rematch. He'll probably actually kill him this time. <laughs> yeah, but we got it's one of those things. If Arquette's willing to do it, we owe it to him to watch him die. Is it just a sequel to Scream where he finally bites the dust? Well, he'll have a limp after this next match, and then for the third one, the limp will be gone. Would you root for him if he came out as his character from Scream from Scream? Just scared detective deputy Dewey. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of those movies. I might. He's got <laughs> ghost face on his uh, on his shorts sometimes. That's pretty rad. But at this point, that's a money match, right? Like that's a match that would sell pay per views. That's a thing that people know about. So that sells pay per views. Nobody's paying money to buy a pay per view for David Arquette versus Nick Gage. I bought it the last time. I paid fifteen bucks. <laughs> I watched that shit live. I paid for pay-per-view. That's that match specifically. Yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected. At there the was end, nothing else on that card that was drawing you. 
that was the main thing. Everybody in that room was just on the edge of their seat waiting for this Nick Gage match. Well, fuck me. And I, I think the question to ask here is, are people paying money to see a wrestling match or are people paying money to see a murder? It's a little and of you both. you know the answer. When you go to a Janela show, it's a bit of a sideshow. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Clearly. Pretty soon, I'm going to go uh, to Tullahoma and see... <laughs> I'm going to see Joey Janela wrestle superstar Bill Dundee. Lucky you. What is it with you going to see old people get their asses handed to them? It's what's being offered to me right now. I think that's your, I think that's your genre, man. You think, you think that my genre is like trashy wrestling? <laughs> Well, between the fucking excitement you get talking about the Rock and Roll Express, between seeing how excited you get about any mention of PCO, like, I can't wait till Goldberg starts doing indie shows. That'll be, like, your favorite wrestler. If Goldberg does StarCast, and I get you a meet and greet with him, would you get a photo with Bill Goldberg? Absolutely. Absolutely. Conrad, wherever you are, please Conrad answer. Conrad is not questions. listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm talking to the sky. He could be anywhere. Oh, Con, you, Conrad doesn't listen. He's not fucking Santa Claus, is he? I don't know. He's jolly. He. I wasn't expecting him He's to pop jolly. up. He's <laughs> jolly. I know I what you really meant with that. <laughs> That's a, hey. He sat next to us at that Ring of Honor show. He was very pleasant. If you remember, he met Bernard, which also, is Bernard dead? Is he officially dead? I don't know. We haven't seen the Bears in a while. Did they just phase them out? Maybe. Hey, we've gone long. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, you said you had an exciting story you wanted to close with. I don't know if exciting is the word, but last night I kind of lived my own Pineapple Express story. Did you witness a murder? I didn't witness a murder, but I did have like a very awkward interaction with, let's call him my doctor. All right. Because he gives me my medicine. Okay. (laughs) So I had an extra concert ticket to a show last night and Leah didn't want to go. So naturally I invited my doctor. Because he didn't want the ticket to go to waste. I didn't want the ticket to go to waste. And, you know, me and this guy have a lot in common and that he's my doctor. And uh, so he picks me up to go to this show. We don't know each other that well. And his car definitely smells like the medicine. Okay. And he picks me up. We're driving. We get like three minutes away from my house before his phone rings. Uh, and at this point, I am a, a bit medicated. And... His phone rings. It's his brother. He answers it on speakerphone. It's coming through the car stereo, Derek. And his brother goes, did you talk to mom? And he goes, no. And he said, mom just had a heart attack. And I am mortified. And he seems so calm. Like, just like, okay. Just like, all right. Oh, shit. Like, I think he said, oh, shit, but then seemed really, really calm. And the conversation went a really long time or what felt like a long time, because I am what I am thinking is that I'm witnessing one of the worst moments of somebody's life and I'm there for it. And he seems so calm. And 
when we get to the place, he gets off the phone. I'm like, dude, we can turn around. We don't have to be here. And he just goes, no, nah, my brother over-exaggerates things a lot. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, that's what? Pre- He's just like, banking on that being the case? I was like, that's a pretty big one. Calls his dad. And on as, they're, as we're walking towards this concert, he just like, yeah, she's fine. She didn't have a heart attack. And I was like, what the fuck? How? How? What? How? What is the in-between that got exaggerated? She had the How flu? Is th- that is a terrible, terrible exaggeration. That's like stubbing your toe and being like, dad has cancer. Uh, yeah. No. She did have a heart issue. But this guy jumped from zero to 100, and I had to be there in such a weird state. It felt like a sad version of Pineapple Express, where I was going on an adventure with my doctor, and it wasn't fun. I thought I was there for, like, the dramatic version of it. But how was the show? <laughs> oh, uh, so, you know, I've been talking a lot about pop music lately. And oh, how, God damn, how, yeah, you and that pop music. I'm very, I'm not ashamed ever to admit what music I listen to. I've listened to a lot of music over my time, and I would like to toot my own horn that sometimes I have pretty good taste in music. Oh my god. Where are mu- you getting this no, where are you getting this idea that there's outside pressure on what you should and should not be listening to? That's all manufactured in your own head. It is from years of being a music director at a radio station in college where I had to to listen to I'm putting this in quotes, cool music. Do you feel like you're listening to cool cool music now? Yes, but my own cool, Derek. I don't have to listen to what Pitchfork Media says. <laughs> Damn it. That being said, I went to go see Vampire Weekend, and I was so embarrassed to admit that to anybody. Yeah. You want to admit to people that you went and saw the new Men in Black movie? I didn't tell anyone that, did I? No, but I, I saw you. You checked in on fucking Facebook, and I fucking saw it. I, I went on like, a double okay. date. You can't fault me for a movie i didn't choose i went with did i say i was faulting you at all i just wanted you to acknowledge what you did well it felt like you were calling me out in front of conrad and the world between you not knowing what g1 was until today you're keeping a lot of secrets and i don't like it i think vampire weekend collectively as a band showed too much knee (laughs) do you have an issue like is that why you don't like shorts you have a phobia with knees? I think it's weird to show them. Why? If I wear shorts, they're going to be long enough that my knees are a little covered. What happened to you? I don't know, man. I just want to wear pants. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm a pants But you man. want other people to wear pants, too. I don't care if they wear pants. This guy can wear the shorts. I'm just Bullshit. saying. You have been on my ass multiple times since we've been hanging out about wearing shorts. You don't like it. You can wear shorts. Anyone's welcome to wear whatever they like. No, I guess I can't say no judgment because I'm like, those shorts were stupid. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. played for two and a half hours, Derek. Mm-hmm. You and that pop music. This wasn't pop music. This was just, it was what it was. What it was. God damn it. We've gone really long and no one it's cares. It's not what, that long. We've gone longer before. No one cares about this, though. No one cares what's happening. Well, this is your story, Garrett. Well, I just wanted to tell the part where the guy I buy weed from had a horrible thing happen. <laughs> and he exaggerated the story. He's so... See, you're right. It was a Pineapple Express experience. You don't know. Don't, you don't have to try and make me feel better about this. I love you. I love you, too. 
Give us a follow on social media. We're at Predetermined Podcast <laughs> on Instagram. We're at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, go online. Give us those five stars on the iTunes. Open your phone right now. You got it open. You got the time. What are you doing? You're pretending to work. You aren't working. You're listening to us. Give us that five stars. Derek's going to get that Kodo Bucci haircut. We got less than a month. We haven't gotten a single review, and we're not any closer to me having Kodo Bucci's hair. Hey, with 70. Five star. Actually, I guess it's sixty-nine five-star reviews and one four-star. We're doing all right. The people like us. They do, and I'm happy to tell you if you listen very closely. That's me being done with Bill Goldberg. This is not nice. You gotta. We gotta set something up between you two. Good luck. Good night. Good luck. Hit our goddamn music. <laughs>